and welcome to Chatty AF, the Anime Feminist Podcast. I'm Dee, the managing editor at AniFem. Uh, you can find all my writings on my blog, The Jose Next Door, and you can also hang out with me on Twitter, at Jose Next Door. And I am joined today by fellow AniFem staffers, Vry and Peter. Hey! Ah, everything is right with the world. Dee is back in charge of the seasonal podcasts. Haha. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sup, I'm Vry Kaiser. I'm a contributor and editor at Anime Feminist. You can, uh, they, them, you can find me on Twitter at WriterVry, where I post my stuff and also tweet about Yu-Gi-Oh! Or you can find the other podcast I co-host at TrashPod. I'm Peter Phobian. I'm a producer at Crunchyroll and an editor at Anime Feminist. Uh, everything is pretty much definitely not right with the world. We are recording this the same day that we are publishing it, so folks at home also know that. But the one thing that was right with the world is we had a really good season of anime. <laughs> so we get to talk about some good shows today, which is very exciting. Um, we also have a lot to talk about, so we're going to skip the preamble and jump over some of the shows lower in the list. Um, for folks who have never heard one of these before, welcome. And uh, the way we do this is we go through our Premiere Digest, um, where we had sort of loosely categorized the shows, and we just kind of work our way up from the bottom to the top. Um, again, we're going to skip a lot of those bottom shows because most of us weren't watching them, um, and we have a lot of other stuff to talk about. Um, I thought I was going to come in here and say a few things about number 24, the rugby show, but um, the final two episodes are delayed until April, so um, maybe I'll pop in for the spring season and talk about that. Um, so we're actually going to be starting with Uchitama, which I think I'm the only person on this podcast who watched it. Is that correct? Yeah, I tried it out and there was nothing wrong with it, but it just wasn't hitting me right, so I didn't keep up with it. I didn't watch it. You didn't watch it, yeah. So the first episode is not indicative indicative of the rest of the show. Um, the next two, I think, give you a better idea of what it is, which is a silly, kind of weird, um, but overall like really good-hearted uh, sketch comedy show. And the it's you know just about these animals who go on adventures and get into scrapes, and sometimes the stories are like extremely chill, and sometimes they're buck wild, and sometimes there's musical numbers for no reason. <laughs> um, it's I ended up enjoying this one a lot. Um, this was definitely a good season for like hang out and chill with some nice people shows, and this was um, not my very favorite in that category, but it was it was definitely up there. Um, it was also, I mean, kind of, it doesn't necessarily have any, like, you know, heavy feminist themes to talk about. Like, it was just, it was a nice, harmless fun. It very much fits in that category kind of series. Um, but a couple of things I did really like about it is there's one episode where they meet these cats who work at, like, an adoption uh, facility mm -hmm. and um, put on shows that are, like, the equivalent of, like, a Takarazuka style, like, like variety special. And the main cat, you never find out if they are a boy or a girl or if they're actively neither. Um, the characters aren't sure, and they their decision at the end is like, oh, well, it doesn't matter. They're just who they are. Um, nice. But in the course of that, um, in the course of that bull, the, the adorable himbo of the cast, <laughs> who we know has a thing for cats, um, he has a crush on one of the main female cats, Momo, and then he falls for this other cat, this Takarazuka cat they meet, and he explicitly says he thinks this other cat is a boy, and he loves them, and I thought that was really just like a very casual, quiet way of being like, bulls by, that's fun, um, so he is, he is a, he is a cat sexual, I guess. <laughs> He's a good boy, this, this, yeah. this tough boy. 
so it, it was one of those shows where it it didn't do anything like like you know outwardly progressive but there was also never really anything in it that made me like roll my eyes or groan um the girl cats there's only a couple of them but they're both great momo's like secretly a badass which is super fun um yeah, i've been talking about this one for too long for a harmless fun show but i really liked it and i would recommend people check it out if they want just like a chill silly comedy about cats and dogs getting into scrapes um, and then the next one on the list, which I think all three of us can talk about, um, probably one of the top shows of the season, I would say, was Toilet Bound Hanako-kun. Yeah. Yeah, Hanako-kun is definitely, I'd say, tied for my favorite with Ezekin. Mm-hmm. I think it was my favorite of the season. I would I would say Ezekin was the best of the season, but I think Hanako-kun was my favorite. It's, a, it's unbelievably gorgeous. Like, what a breathtaking show. And it's it's so I love how it balances its comedy. Its characters are so endearing. It it really does quiet sadness without feeling like overbearing tragedy porn. Like it's just an excellent ghost story. Yeah, it has. It definitely has a bite to it. Like I I appreciate that its characters are messy ninth and tenth graders. Like they are by no means perfect people. Um, some of them are actual garbage children. Uh, yep. <laughs> Uh, and others are like, Ko, I have adopted Ko. Uh, I've also adopted the garbage child. I'm blanking on his name. What's the garbage child's name? Mizuki. Mizuki. Mitsuba. Mitsuba. Yes. Thank you for the, the M. The M got me there. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a, it's a really good supernatural. I've described it as a supernatural shoujo wearing a supernatural shonen as a hat. Um, it is technically a shonen, but it has a lot of the same plot beats to it that you see in a lot of the, like, um, it kind of reminds me of, like, a supernatural boyfriend-style shonen, shoujo, um, in some ways. Mm. Um, I, I like that genre in both categories. I like that, um, like, the the normal girl, quote-unquote, um, hanging out with, like, getting involved in the spirit realm and trying to navigate, like, the supernatural powers around her with you know, what little bit of, um, cause like, obviously she's outclassed, um, as far as like having special powers, but she finds different ways to kind of come into her own. Um, and I, I like that Nene has agency throughout, like she gets rescued by Hanako a lot, but Hanako rescues Ko a lot too. So it doesn't feel damselly. It just feels like Hanako does a lot of rescuing, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, the cast is, is very endearing, um, and, and endearingly messy, which I, I appreciate that the the characters have some sharp edges to them, and and how they like interact with each other and are trying to work through their various uh, insecurities or traumas. Yeah, I, I will say the one downside for me is I like Mitsuba. He was really annoying when he first got introduced. Oh yeah, and then he's they, intentionally grating at first, uh-huh. and then they reset that when he shows back up again. So you have to deal with him being grating twice. <laughs> yeah. He's he's kind of a shithead, um, but I I like I think I like where it looks like they're taking him. Mm-hmm. I will say this is this is the one series this season where it ended, and I immediately got on my um, manga app and favorited like the volume that I think I could pick up to like see where the story goes from here. Like I am on board with Hanako Kun and looking forward to seeing where this continues. Hard same. I, I hear that uh, the reason the last episode feels a little weird is I see why they picked it because it's a nice book ending, but apparently that story came before the uh, Mitsuba arc that they were doing. Yeah, they, 
Yeah, they shuffled the order of events around a little bit, which I think was a really good adaptation choice for a one-core series. Like, that that point feels more like a stopping point than, I think, wrapping up with them, like, leaving Mitsuba in this mirror realm mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, it, um, it totally makes sense. But, it, boy, it really is a great advertisement for the manga, isn't it? Yeah, Ando Masomi did a phenomenal... I mean, he he's always... He's a good director. He just is. Um, and you can tell he had a lot of, um, I think he had a little more of a free reign on this one to kind of do his thing with it. Um, mm. and he did a really Wait, good job. So the, the plot arcs with Mitsuba and the picture and then Mitsuba and the mirror room were reversed. Is that what you're saying? No, no. The last episode with, uh, with the fish kingdom came uh, a the, before the Mitsuba Yeah. Stuff. The mermaid princess was supposed to come before the, that, that second round of Mitsuba that inf- makes more stuff, sense. but yeah. the. Yeah, but the anime opted to flip it because then we could kind of end on this on this point of Nene and Hanako kind of you know being like, no, we want to be there for each other, and we don't want to cut our we don't want to cut ties with one another yet. Mm-hmm. So it was a good idea, yeah. I think. Yeah, it's it makes a really solid bow ending that I approve of. Yeah, I think my only my only like minor criticism would be sometimes I do think the show goes a little too hard on the like Nene's insecurities with her body are very relatable but i think the show harps on them more than it needs to Mm -hmm. um so that that does irk me from time to time especially the post the like episode previews that are done in manga style which funimation does a garbage job of actually translating yep um (laughs) but a few of them a few of them can like can edge into territory of being like not fan servicey exactly but like body comedy in a way that i don't find amusing um but it's super minor Mm -hmm. that would be the only like teeny tiniest of caveats overall i think the show does a really good job with what with the material and again these these very these very messy teenage characters um dealing with the supernatural happenings it's like done done too right no announcement for a second season or anything like that not that i've heard wow i i don't know how well it did i mean they there's definitely there's more the manga's ongoing there's definitely uh, content, I think, for a season two. Um, don't 100% quote me on that, but I think they've probably got enough. Um, so maybe people, everyone should go watch it because yes, it was should. great. I, I liked it a lot. Okay, cool. Yeah, the only thing I was, uh, I don't, it, I guess, is Mitsupa dead, dead? Because it seemed like in the arc before that, they uh, Mitsupa's ghost was destroyed and then they just like made a new one. So this new one is literally just an artificial Mitsuba. Yeah, it's it, it's unclear because Hanako's twin is also kind of a liar, and so he says like he basically says that they destroyed Mitsuba and he created like he created a clone version of yeah. him, but he has so many of the same mannerisms as the original Mitsuba that it almost feels like he just got a memory wipe. Hmm. Um, it's not clear. Ko has decided he's going to save him one way or the other, which is so sweet, and I wish Ko nothing but the best. My heart, um, my boy. Ko is Ko is probably the only character in the cast who is like top to bottom just a sweet guy, um, and I yeah. So I hope he can pro I hope he can protect Mitsuba in the long <laughs> no run. No garbage detected. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He, he is pure and good, and so he has picked the most garbage to protect. I, I do yeah. like, but Mitsuba. yeah, I w- I would say it's unclear whether Mitsuba was well and truly destroyed, or if um, I'm blanking on Hanako's twin's name, but if his twin. Um, I want to say it's Asame, was... but I don't think that's right. Asame does sound right. It was like Tsukasa and Asame, right? Su- Tsukasa is his is Hanako's twin brother. Yeah. And Hanako's uh, other Hanako's name was Amane. So Amane. you guys were close. Yeah. Amane, yeah, but Tsukasa, yeah. Um, 
he, I mean, he's clearly like, he clearly likes screwing with people. So I would say at this point, it's a little bit unclear whether um, this is a new Mitsuba who just, who is going to like, you know, sort of develop the same habits of the old one, or if he would ever be able to actually regain those memories and like the relationship he had with Ko. Um, so that's one of the many reasons I want to read the manga and see where this one goes. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a good supernatural show. I would definitely recommend this one. I know it'll be on our Rex list at the end of the season as well when we get that up. Uh, anything else we want to say about that one or can we move on? We can move on. Okay, uh, next up is Somali and the Forest Spirit. Peter, did you end up finishing this one? Yeah, I got through it yesterday. What were your thoughts on this one? I actually thought it was a lot like, I don't know why I was thinking of it, but No Guns Life. I think just mm. big monster dad and small <laughs> problem kid that monster dad must yeah. protect, something like that. Yeah, the the I can see what you mean by that. Like the tone is very different, but the that sort of same structure. Yeah, is definitely there. Uh, I think uh, I was I, I enjoyed the series. I wish it had gone a little bit harder into. I, I really liked the bird girl arc and some of the, like the earlier stuff when they were traveling around. It kind of got uh, it had a real like Kino's Journey type feeling where they were running into unique cultures. You, you kind of got like one to three episode characters that were important. And there was kind of this, like, really kind of, like, the world was innocent looking, but kind of had teeth beneath it. I, I feel like that's when the series yeah. was at its strongest. Um, I mean, the, like, the cute Golem Dad stuff was all right, but I, I felt like the series got really good at during certain arcs and then was just kind of, like, you know, fun and innocent the rest of the time. Yeah, it, it definitely had its its sort of peaks. And I wouldn't say it ever had valleys, but it had episodes where you were like, that was fine. And then it had others that were really good. Yeah. Um, anytime it dug into the, the the episode with the witches, I really liked as well, where yeah. they did the flashback to um, the witch encountering the, the humans on the island. And the show engages with prejudice in a way that I think is really... Um, it's it's really complicated and 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 pretty well thought out i think in terms of the way both communities sort of perpetuated these prejudices against each other like the humans came in being the racists um but now they're but they were vastly outnumbered and now they're the ones who are being you know hunted to extinction and there's um uh animosity on both sides that you see during the bird girl arc yeah. um especially and and i think i think the way the show engages with that in in its fantasy setting is is well done um i think a lot of shows really struggle with those kind of vibes um but i think this one this one does a good job of showing like um cross community like hatred over generations and and how prejudice can fester and things like that um so I, anytime it was exploring those elements, I, I was like really locked into it. Um, I think its biggest weakness is that Somali is not really a character. Yeah. It's that kind of like demon daughter. Yeah. Just like you're cute. She, I never saw that one, but yeah. But yeah, she is, she doesn't really like, she goes through so many traumatic situations and then she's just immediately fine on the other side of mm. them. Um, and it feels like they're really just she's she's more of a device to that the other characters can kind of interact and react around. Um, and I, I was I every time I thought they were gonna make her more well rounded, they would kind of pull back. Like that was my biggest gripe with the final arc was that Somali goes through this like horrifying experience and then when it's over, she's just like cheerful and fine and normal again. I'm like, mm, 
She's like five. She would she would be reacting in some way to what's been going on around her. Grandma tried to eat her. You're yeah, not gonna get over right? that. Right? <laughs> like I mean it it was this horrifying betrayal and then her and then her, you know, surrogate dad like goes into monster form and there should be some kind of reaction to that and there really isn't. Um so I think the show's biggest weakness was it it maybe if I went into it from day one knowing Somali is basically like a device or a symbol, then it wouldn't bother me as much, but I I thought she was gonna be a character like the other characters. Yeah. So it's one I would I would recommend for sure. It's not like a it's not one of my highest recommendations, especially since it's um an incomplete story at this point. Um, they find a they find a solid stopping point for especially for the golem's arc. Um, the golem has a really has a really uh, interesting character arc, I think, in terms of figure of kind of going against like what the laws of nature has set, have said golems are supposed to be, and you know realizing he has emotions and wants the same as the other characters he's interacting with. Um, so there's definitely like there are definitely character arcs within the story. It's just Somali herself is is really just like the cute kid that everyone else um, grows around, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it was also beautiful. So um, definitely one to check out if you like fantasy stories with um, a little bit of with that are sweet, but with like a kind of you know some darkness laced throughout. Yeah. Um, I think the next one is Bofuri, unless. You wanted to talk about uh, Infinite Dendrogram at all, Peter? Uh, I I guess I could. I I dropped Infinite Dendrogram, Plunder, and Sorcerer Stabber Orphan all for basically the same reason. Fantasy series where like nothing is happening, and I didn't get any feeling of stakes at all. Womp womp. Yeah. <laughs> so well done, all three of you. Mm. Uh, then I guess Bofuri definitely is our next one. Um, it's a nice Vry, show I know that you I finished- liked. Yeah, you finished that one to completion, Peter. Did you as well? Hopefully, uh, no, I didn't catch up. I, I I planned to finish it. I just had to catch up on a lot of anime, and I figured you two would I feel watch that. this one. So, yeah, no, that was that was probably a good call. Uh, yeah, Bofuri is one that surprised me. I ended up looking forward to it every week. Um, it was one where I'd be like, oh, it's, yay, it's, it would come out like halfway through Wednesday, so I'd watch it Thursday morning. So I'd be like, yay, it's Bofuri day. <laughs> um, it's just, it's, it's a, nice show about girls playing an MMO together and um, Maple's like low-key a big weirdo and I love that. Like she's low-key terrifying. She keeps developing powers that would normally be like villain powers <laughs> um, and boy howdy does she love to eat things. But the fact that it's set within an MMO makes it like really fun because she can like, you know, devour other players whole and it's just like, oh well <laughs> I'll respawn. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it is kind of fascinating how technically there's no stakes for anything that's happening, but it still feels very fun and snappy and easy to invest in. Well, I mean, it's the stakes that that are the stakes if you're playing a game, right? Like you want to finish in the top ten. So in that regard, I think it's because there's a lot of PvP events they do. So I think in that regard, it it plays like a like a really laid back sports anime. Mm. So where it's like nobody's gonna die because they lost the you know the tennis match or the or the basketball game or whatever, but like you still want to win, you want your team to do well, um, and it helps that the animation for the action sequences is like really good. So even though you know nobody's gonna like die die, you still want them to win and get the prize and whatever because they're clearly trying so hard. And this one also had uh, this one had a second season announced like right on the heels of the finale, and I'm like, yeah, I'm down to watch more of this. Yeah, I think, and this is one where, again, the only, like, minor caveat I would give is every once in a while the camera has an angle that's a little bit suspect. Um, The robot transformation scene, there was, like, one shot that was, like, 
real super zoom in on uh, Maple's crotch. And I was like, mm, that wasn't necessary. Especially since there's like one character who has an absurd window, boob window. And then otherwise all the designs for the female characters are like, you know, cute game designs, but not really fan servicey. Yeah, they're not necessarily like practical warrior outfits, but they're playing a video game, so it doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know? Um, they, they look like the kind of cute outfits that you would pick out if you were playing a game with your friends and wanted to look cool. Um, so, yeah, again, other than a couple of camera angles that I would occasionally be like, mm, overall, it's it's really good about um, treating its characters like characters and not like, you know, sexual objects or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's nice. It is, it is cute girls doing things um, in a way that I think is very enjoyable for like a lot of folks. So, um, and again, the action sequences are actually really well done. So um, there is some like adventure, there's some adventurous elements to it in addition to it being really laid back. Definitely one I would, I would recommend if you're looking for something like soothing right now and also perfectly appropriate for a, a like a middle school aged audience. Yeah, it definitely is. It's a lot of the shows I think that we've gone through so far, like you could show to preteens and there's not really a lot that I would like really warn them away from. Um, yeah, Harako-kun gets into like some dark shit, like implied abuse and those kinds of things, but... Yeah, but it's the kind of stuff that if I was 13, I would have gobbled. I would have gobbled up Hanako-kun. Oh, for sure. Um, so I don't... I, I To me, that's it's like it's like a reasonable level of... of darkness for a for like a middle a middle grade to like lower high school audience so um anything else about both shall we move on yeah i think we dropped quite a few of the ones in this category yeah, here I... there were a lot of like harmless funny type things and i feel like i said kind of everything i needed to say about 22 7 la and the mid-season uh so yeah yeah i remember you talked about that one yeah. I, I listened to it after the fact um okay so then i guess magia record would be the next one yeah it sure is half of a show <laughs> yeah. No, they, but they officially gave us season two announcement, so we know there's another half coming. It would still be half show even if they hadn't announced season two. Like in the last episode, I was like, did they just forget about the girl who turned into a witch and ran away from her friends? Because it took them so long to catch back up on that. Uh, yeah, not Rena, but the other one, Kaede. Then, like five episodes later, they finally are just like, oh yeah, she's still around. Yeah, I mean the the problem it. Can, the show continues to have the same problem it's always had, is that it has too many characters, arguably even for a two-course show. Although, maybe it can work it out. Yeah, and none of them are as interesting as literally any single one of the original Madoka's characters. I kind of like Yachio. I mean, she's kind of still discount Homura, but I like her. It is very odd, this show, because like it... It seems like it wants to be for new viewers in that, you know, episodes 10 and 11 are dedicated to going through the same revelation from the end of the original Madoka series. And then and then the thing that is introduced for, you know, ongoing viewers early on, that's like, hey, how come these girls can turn into witches and turn back? The answer is just basically a character invented a thing so they could do that. Yeah. Moving oh, on. seriously? Yeah. <laughs> she just said it's like it's my dewitchification technique that I made with my super brain. <laughs> That's that was the Oh my god. Yeah. She literally calls it dewitchifying. <laughs> yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Okay, that's that's dumb enough that, that I'm actually on board. Like, I circled back around to... At first I was like, oh, that's stupid. And then I'm like, no, no, no. 
that is stupid. Thank you. <laughs> Wasn't that resolved at the end of the original Monica, though? Is this the end of is this in the Rebellion world or the the actual Monica ending? Because I thought uh, it's implied uh, that they are somewhat aware of the fact that the Cube are actually wanting them to transform into witches because that's what has that release of energy which is what Madoka fixed when she became god right yeah this is this can't take place in the same universe as the tv ending because that rewrote the rules of the universe so that the monsters worked differently so this is rebellion then fucking rebellion i don't know yeah i don't even know what rebellion undid like would mommy still be alive if that was the case where what what universe is this taking place in I okay, so based on just the little bit I've seen from some other folks talking about this, it is a totally other AU. Like this is an alternate universe cool. and so you don't need to worry about the original series, which I guess a bit belated folks at home. Spoilers for the original Madoka. Um, it's okay. It's you won't have context for it. So this is literally a Madoka less Madoka. I mean, but it it is, but it's not because there's so much fan service with mommy like showing up and by, well by fan service you don't mean like in the traditional term no sorry I, I mean in mean like the non-sexual fans. sense where it's just yeah. like hey it's that character y'all like yeah yeah that just feels weird though like if it's not at least if it's not set in the same storyline like Madoka could literally not exist in this world which it might be necessary for mommy to still have her head I mean I'm not <laughs> I'm not mad at it I'm not mad at that because, like, I think there is so much you can do with what they've done with Magical Girls as a concept. It's This is doing just what a lot of franchises do, where you take a very closed story and do a complete rewrite on the mythos to make it, like, a broader cast in a more action-oriented setting. Yeah, I guess so. Um, mm-hmm. For me, the issue is more that the show has had some really good, char- like, character arcs stories. I've really liked some of the uh, individual... Uh, like Sana, the 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 invisible girl arc, uh, I thought that was really nice. Dead lesbians aside, but it's it's got the problem that it comes from a mobile game where you can write these really nice individual character arcs, but the main plot feels like it's puttering and going nowhere because you have to keep those main story updates going because you got to get that continual engagement. And like the first, I, I'll say. They could be doing something with this because the first, the first half here ends with we uh the the wings of Magius or secret organization or whatever has is arguing for essentially magical girl supremacy, which is certainly huh. a take because and but they're up there arguing like isn't it kind of bullshit that we're being used and trampled on, which is lit you know arguably the thesis of the entire first series in a way and but then you've got all this very loaded uh like lines of stormtrooper imagery yeah yeah i remember when she was explaining it i was like oh so the wings of magis is are the good guys they're trying to right, u- exactly. unionize magical girls like exactly <laughs> yeah so that that's actually something i was a little concerned about in the end I'm, i was thinking is uh, are they going to remain the bad guys or are we going to learn that all of this is a front for something else um, which kind of felt bad. Yeah, because all of the very brainwashy, threatening imagery is at odds with, yeah, it is bad that magical girls are being treated like shit and disposable objects. Yeah. The Cubase literally want you to turn into a witch because that, like, prevents the heat death of the universe. 
at, by putting little girls up as a like human sacrifices and we're going to make that not a thing anymore like oh they must be stopped yeah so i'm so it sounds like this could break really bad we're um, gonna end yeah. up doing it, something really interesting yeah and, and i guess like what makes me what i'm kind of interested with it about is some of those individual character arcs had some interesting thoughts and also not that it guarantees anything but i believe that the two scenario writers this time around are women no yeah so they are that's i don't know i'm interested to see what it does yeah, I uh, I fell behind at the midway point. Um, not because I disliked it. I just I was watching a lot of other stuff. I got busy. I was traveling for a couple of weekends, and I had to catch up on things. And by the time I, I as I was catching up, it was like, oh, now I'm like two episodes behind. Oh, I'm three episodes behind. Uh, maybe I'll just wait on it. Um, so it sounds I might I might catch back up for whenever season two happens. Um, I'll I'll have a few weeks to think about it and and maybe maybe by then the full dub will be out so if I want to watch it while I'm like half asleep I can mm. <laughs> which is always a nice option to have as well. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I guess we kind of just have to put a pin in Magia record and see how the second half turns out since it sounds like this one doesn't even really have a stopping point. Yeah, yeah. whenever the second half is. Yeah, it just magic the rise of magical girl supremacy and also our. Our knockoff Madoka and Homer a couple have been separated. The end. Oh no. Okay. Well, I'm glad you got a season two announcement then because this was one that I know you've kind of been saying all along, Vry, that if it was only one core, it was not going to be able to pull it all together. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that second core, they'll be able to tell a complete story and maybe do something um, interesting and unique with the franchise. So uh, definitely one to keep an eye on, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, cool. Uh, so the next one on the list did not get a season two announcement. Um, uh, we're entering our it's complicated category. <laughs> this is Inspector, uh, which Peter, I know you finished and you liked this one quite a bit. Yeah, yeah? I uh, before the se- season started, I read a lot of the manga, and I think it, a season two would be very weird because after this, it kind of goes into like a lot of single volume mysteries. A season two would definitely be kind of a very slipshod like micro story per episode series probably yeah especially if because it is still an ongoing um i think the because it's based the manga is based on light novels i think and the light novels aren't out in english yeah it's but, by the um, guy who did uh blast of tempest i think yes it is yeah. that's one of the reasons i was interested in it when it when it dropped mm-hmm. um yeah it looks like the and the no, the light novels are ongoing as well so it's probably one of those where if it ever does get a season two it would be um probably they'd have to wait until they had enough content to like tell a proper arc yeah i don't think there was enough manga at least after uh the anime ended to probably make a second season so maybe yeah in the future who knows yeah i really i, I really like the story though i think the the arc becomes very death notian and, <laughs> and the way it kind of uh i think the author did a really cool thing kind of like taking a step back and asking like why are mysteries interesting and why do people like talk about them like like mm-hmm. what are mysteries as opposed to just and it's trying to solve them actually useful i mean like you know if you're trying to solve a murder that's useful but like uh is giving people an answer really what they want uh or is that useful to them i think was a really interesting take uh, on this whole like huge setup they did with uh, the existence of steel lady nanase yeah, there's been a lot of a few series this season. Um, we've we've already talked about the other two, Hanako Kun and Magia Record, that have been engaging in kind of similar things that Inspector was, which is this idea of like 
bending the truth based on what people believe, like rumors, and especially in like the form of like rumors or urban legends and like how that can shape the world itself. Um, and so the idea of Kotoko as sort of this like, I mean, her job is basically like chief bullshit officer, right? Like, yeah. like every case isn't necessarily about like, I need to expose the truth to everybody. It's about I need to present a truth that will be acceptable to the to the people who I am talking to. Um, and then we can shape reality based on that. And I think that is a fascinating concept for a lot of that. It's I don't think it's an accent that a lot of series are engaging with that nowadays, mm-hmm. uh, um, given given the internet and um, certain presidents just the United States, certain, yeah. you know, certain leaders across the world um, and things like that. So, yeah, I thought that central concept was really good. I think this is one of those shows that struggled. Um, I think it probably it was an adaptation issue. Um, it's a light, it's based on these light novels that are very talky. And that is, that is this writer's thing. Like I saw Blast of Tempest. I love Blast of Tempest. I will fight. Blast of Tempest is very divisive and I will fight people over Blast of Tempest. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's another one that has like these long stretches of characters, basically like you think they're going to have like this big epic throwdown, but it focuses really more on like logicking and negotiating your way out of these different situations. Um, and I think that in a novel, I think it's it that can be very hard to adapt because if you're not careful, um, you're just going to have the camera like on one person's face for like five minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think Blast of Tempest had the benefit of being an adaptation by director uh, Ando Masahiro and writer Okada Mari. So it was it was a very, very good adaptation of a talkie series. Um that, I think that did have more action and like high drama moments in it too. Uh, so it did, especially yeah. in the especially in the second half. But having not read the the light novel or the manga, because I don't think either are available in English, um, I don't know how much of that was adaptation decisions and how much of that was was built into the original story. Yeah, true. They definitely um, embellished the uh, the Kuro Nanase fight a lot. Oh, they in the in the in this anime, yeah. So I think I think the anime struggled a little bit during that Steel Lady arc because partly because they wanted it to fill the full core. Um, so I really liked the concept of this series, and I would like to hang out with these characters more because I think Kotoko and uh, Kudo's like weird relationship of this is what happens when two tsundere's get together um, is is sort of fascinating. Like I wouldn't call it like a a relationship you should emulate necessarily, but I think it's, I think it is interesting to explore in fiction, how they um, like navigate their situation with one another. Um, And yeah, so I I really liked the concept of this one. I think, I think the adaptation drags here and there, Um, but it really is just going to depend on how much you as a viewer are okay with like a lot of people sitting at a table talking to each other for, you know, most of an episode kind of stuff. Yeah. I personally was hoping when I learned that the anime was coming that they would go they would go full Iraqi with it and just like have straight up like Death Note esque scenes because there is a lot of that like galaxy braining over other people stuff. Yeah, and there's there's a lot they could have done, especially at the end of the Steel Lady arc when Kotoko is you know uh, pulling out all of her different like counter facts, counter theories to to try to defeat this this ghost that's been like created by people's beliefs. Um, which is again such a cool concept. Um, there's a lot they could have done with the animation for that, and um, and they they really didn't. I mean, they did a little bit here and there. Like it's it's not as bad as it could have been, but I think it I think it's a little bit more stilted than it needed to be to like really pop. So um, 
it's it's one that I I'm hesitant. I enjoyed it. I'm glad I watched it. Um, it's again, it's one that I wouldn't mind getting a hold of the light novels or maybe the manga and like seeing where the story goes from here. But I'm a little bit hesitant to recommend it to people unless that kind of like verbal jousting is something that they're that they're interested in with with the understanding that it's not like because it's anime there's not as much and the characters aren't super duper expressive that's the other thing like the anime the character animation during this isn't isn't like super expressive Mm -hmm. um so it's not like those really good because that's something that i think a lot of hbo shows excel at is like you put two really good actors in a room and just have them act at each other um and this isn't quite it's not at that level so i think that you have to really like the the central concept to be able to get into this one so um definitely give it a try folks at home if you're not if you're not feeling it about three episode in three episodes in then probably it's just not for you and i think that's okay i think it's just one of those that's going to be a little polarizing um but if you did like it you should totally watch blast of tempest because it's great <laughs> and i will continue i will continue to fight for it also you can read the inspector manga which is very good i love the arcs that occur afterward even though they're smaller they kind of stick with the same themes it's uh I really enjoy it. Yeah, the manga the manga for that one is out in English. Yep. So if folks if folks enjoyed it or if they're curious about it in a different medium, um, that might be another way to to check that one out as well. Hey Vry, do you want to tell us about Budokan? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Let me just get my let me just get my big old box of popcorn here. And, so uh, all right, go. <laughs> so they didn't get together, but I still liked it. <laughs> I don't. I it's gen so what is it a, is it is it like is it based on an ongoing story it is. or is it complete it, it okay. is an ongoing manga okay um so watching this show is a little bit like you remember when Enchanted came out and everybody was really charmed by how tongue in cheek it was even though it has essentially replaced getting married the first day you meet somebody is dumb with falling for somebody after three days is totally reasonable yeah it's kind of like that. Uh, where it's not, it 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 has these little tongue in cheek like moments of awareness about the idol industry and like popularity polls and how some of these things are kind of stressful and you know some of these you know producers have screwed over this or that character. Um, but it's not really you know there's a character who she is stressed out because there are rumors out that she is seeing somebody and that's like potentially hurting her career and like that's a stressful ongoing thing for her character and other characters are in sympathy for her but nobody turns around and goes like hey maybe it's fucked up that that happens like nobody's like hey the disney corporation is a massive company that's buying up all of our nostalgia and maybe their monopoly is a little scary in the disney movie (laughs) so it's not really a it's not really you shouldn't be watching this series if you're looking for, like, a hardcore critique, but, like, if you're somebody who's always been like, I want to get into Idol series, but I'm a little put off by how how incredibly packaged some of them feel in terms of, like, selling that dream, I think this one honestly does a pretty good job of being like, yeah, Idols are good, but also making its characters feel like human beings rather than stock archetypes like it spends half the half of the show pretty evenly split between between the uh the otaku characters and the actual idol group and you don't see a lot of them outside of work but they feel rounded in a way where i was honestly pretty invested in them which ended up surprising me more than anything and um let the 
uh, Ari er- er- and uh, Mina are the the main sort of the main couple, and they never get together. Like the best the show can do for for an emotional up. For, for an emotional high is they finally get to communicate in the fan line about how much they 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 mean to each other in their ongo in this ongoing career and I'm like that's good enough I guess it's it's a start again if the series is still going on then I guess that um that gives them a little more leeway because you know if you're writing a slow burn romance then you have to keep that burn going yeah although <laughs> although she um the series does have a problem with having to put up contrivance after contrivance to keep it as slow burn yeah. as it is. Yeah, that's often the problem with those kind of stories, regardless of, you know, what the what the gender dynamics are. Yeah, and it, it does kind of soften the blow a little bit that two of the idols are just, like, happily dating and occasionally will, we'll, you know, will cut away to something that they're doing, It and it's very sweet. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and yeah, like their, that's good. their whole conflict is, like, we're in a relationship, but we're also in this group that's a little bit inherently competitive and so are you holding yourself back because you don't want to get ahead of me and potentially you know us have that change the dynamics or the trajectories of our career and that's kind of interesting yeah so navigating basically being um romantically involved in a workplace situation yeah yeah Yeah, there's some genuinely good subtle character writing in this show honestly um, and on, the thing that continues to bring it down all the way through is Matoy, who is one of, I don't even know that he's necessarily the Aries friend so much as he's a dude they're constantly around. And he basically is there to embody the, the, the idol is my wife and I'm going to marry her someday. And I feel weird and possessive every time other people say they're fans of her and I hate him Ugh, because it's yeah. like. It's one of those things. Does the where series like, hate him? Well, like clearly none of the, all of the characters think he's annoying, but also uh-huh. he continues to be allowed to exist, kind of thing. You know that so, sort of <laughs> sort of like what's his yeah. fuck, Minetta. He's like the Minetta of this show. Like nobody likes uh, him, but also he's still here. Yeah. <laughs> Who, but, who's inviting this guy? <laughs> none of us like yeah, him. Yeah. Why do you? Him? Why do you? Why do you keep bringing him yeah. along? No, literally, who uh, invited him? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, so it sounds, I mean, it sounds like it's, um, it could be a worthwhile series. It's a bummer that it, it kind of, you know, ends in the middle of things, but we're pretty used to that with anime. Um, so maybe something, like you said, worth, worth it for, for folks who are, um, interested in that genre or, um, Yuri, Yuri Light, I guess. Very type light series. Yuri. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's good. I'm glad you, I'm glad you mostly enjoyed it, even if it was a bit of a, a roller coaster for you. Yeah. Yeah, it was. So that's good. It's, there are papers to be written, not by yeah. me, because I don't want to deal with yeah. that. No, 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 that's totally fair. Um, I, I, you know, and I, I appreciate shows that even if they don't, even if they're not like calling explicitly for a revolution, if they're like sympathizing and humanizing with the characters over these unfair rules, I think that I think that is a subtle way to critique something. So, um, I mean, I'm glad that that's in the show, at least, you know, to say, um, hey, you should maybe sympathize with these characters who are being forced into these like shitty situations so yeah yeah, so, yeah. it's not so nothing. that's um that's so yeah i probably not one i will personally check out but listeners at home if that sounds like something you'd be into um it sounds like it would uh perhaps be worth your time um okay so the next one on the list is smile down the runway am i the only one who finished this or peter did you get through it as well I dropped it okay um i actually ended up really liking this one um it has kind of i mean the first few episodes are i think maybe i think it's roughest material um 
I think it's still kind of trying to figure out what it wants to do in the early going. And it really wants to lean hard on uh, Chiyuki is short, but she's such a good model. And it's so inspiring to see short people on stage when she is the average height of uh, women in Japan. So she's not even that short. Um, she's just short for a model. So like, I think it has kind of an inherently problematic premise in that sense. And we've talked about that before, so I'm not going to go off on it for that. Um, it ends up leaning more into uh, Ikuto, the the male character's um, story as like a an aspiring designer as it continues. And we still check in on Chiyuki and she still has like character beats and these little um, trials that she has to go through. Um, so it is, it is a dual story, but I think Ikuto is like the stealth main main character. Um, and he... Uh, the series, there's one episode that's that's really very powerful where um, he's having to figure out his mom's getting ready to get out of the hospital after a surgery that she needed to have that she'd kind of been putting off. And uh, the healthcare system in Japan is much better than the healthcare system here in the U.S. as far as like affordability, but uh, they still don't pay for everything, it turns out. Um, and so they're having to, and their family has like no money. And so they're having to figure out how they're going to pay her bills when she gets out of the hospital. And Ikuto's talking about maybe having to completely, you know, quit the industry because he needs to work all these part-time jobs. And he's like just getting started in designing and like working in this this big competition that this local design school does. Um, and the series hits a lot of those beats and like the way other characters kind of try to exploit him for that and be like, oh, well, I'll take care of your financial situation if you do this or that for me. Mm. Um things that he, you know, doesn't necessarily want to do to, like, curtail his career or, like, force somebody else who, um, there's another character who gets, who becomes kind of like a third main character, uh, Kyoko, who is a model but wants to be a designer and is kind of having to fight with her agent about the fact that she doesn't actually like modeling even though she's good at it. Um, and so the arcs with, the arcs with them and her having to kind of prove herself and while the show absolutely needs to include, like, if, if they're going to have a conversation about, um, like, diverse body types and making clothes for the average person kind of thing, um, like, it would behoove them, perhaps, to have more characters who are um, not conventionally attractive and skinny. Um, but it one thing that it kind of ended up doing that I found sort of interesting, um, perhaps accidentally, was... Kyoko is the, she's the the other model I mentioned who doesn't particularly like modeling, but um, the one thing about it is she was really touched when she first started because she was like, I always hated how like much taller I was from everybody else, but like here in this one field, that was considered an asset, whereas I, you know, I used to get teased about it. And then you have that little short, that the short news reporter who, journalist who never felt like she could wear clothes because she felt like she was too short to wear like the really popular fashions. Um, and so it, again, I don't know if it's doing this intentionally or not, but it does end up stumbling its way into a commentary about how beauty standards are so impossible across the board that nobody feels comfortable in their own skin. Um, so like you have these conventional, you know, you have Chiyuki who feels bad because she's short and you have Kyoko who feels bad because she's too tall. Um, and so I, I think that if it if the, the manga's ongoing, um, the anime sort of finds a stopping place, but it's not terribly, um, it's not super duper satisfying. It really is an advertisement for the manga. Um, if the manga continues to push on that in other directions, I think it could be an interesting story. Um, I think it could do some really good stuff. Um, but 
I still ended up enjoying it quite a quite a bit. The second half, um, they get into this. They have this big contest, and it's just like it rotates between Chiyuki and Kyoko and Ikuto's like separate goals for what they want to prove to the to the designers who are um, judging the contest. And um, yeah, I, I I ended up liking it a lot. It's one that's hard to recommend just because again, it doesn't really have an ending. Um, but I think it's I think it is worth your time. Yeah, I think if you can if you can get over those the first couple episodes, if you can get past the the fact that it's you know, um, trying to tell this story about like this person who's beating the odds because she's a little bit shorter than an average model, um, then I I think you I think it can be it's 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 a very satisfying story, especially Ikuto's arc is genuinely moving. Um, the story with his family and him kind of trying to follow his dream. So, um, yeah, I ended up enjoying it. Nice. I'm yeah. really glad. Yeah, I uh, I don't know if we'll ever see the the manga state site or not, but it, it's one that I would I'd probably like take a peek at um, if I could just to see what they do with some of the the things they kind of touched on and some of the ideas swirling around in it. So uh, I think its heart is in the right place so far, uh, just based on what I've seen of the anime, which is good. Okay, next on the list is the one is one that I think everybody on Annie Twitter at least was watching, um, and that is "Keep Your Hands Off Azoken." Hey, is there uh, anything do we have else anything to say else about Azoken that other people haven't already said? Right, like it's good. Azoken, <laughs> yeah. good. Anime of the year. It's really fucking good. Yep. All right, that's it. Moving on. Yeah, yeah. I like what you say. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure if I really have anything to add. I think it. I think it. The, so I wasn't here for the mid season. Um, the my one concern at the, about the midway point was I was worried that the story was. It was doing some really. It was a really wonderful love letter to animation, mm-hmm. but it didn't feel like it was spending a lot of time with its characters because it was so focused on like the club activities and what they were creating. Um, so I really appreciated that the second half in particular, you have some episodes that kind of go into the characters' childhoods and like how how they met each other, like how Asukusa and Kanamori met each other, um, Kanamori's background with her family's um, like little local convenience store. Um, I think that did. I think that did some really good work to elevate this for me because I was enjoying it, but I didn't feel like I, I need that kind of character-driven aspect. So if um, if there is anyone at home who was uh, like mildly put off by that, like be aware that the series does some really good job, does a really good job in the second half fleshing out the cast and um, making them well-rounded characters I think by the end of it like I I really enjoyed watching them and would would happily watch a season two if we ever got one yeah I don't like I know a lot of people were immediately like season two and I'm like I'd watch it happily but I'm not sure it needs it you know because I feel like there's that sentiment that Asuka's uh has that's um that's like you know there's always more to do but it the show ends with them reaching this very potent creative understanding after when they have to rework the short and that's really beautiful and such a great note to end on i think as a single core series it has a satisfying finale like i don't think it's there's there's other shows on this list where we've been like well it it could really use a season two so you could like find out more about the characters and the story and everything uh this one feels complete like it's one that could keep going but definitely doesn't have to um so you could you could go into this and you'll you'll get a a good kind of satisfying story about these three girls coming together to make art. And I love them and I'm going to miss them and it's good. It's really good. <laughs> I think Kanamori is like a, 
like a triumph of writing. I have never seen somebody so perfectly portray what it is a producer does. Mm-hmm. Like it's just this mystery job that nobody knows how it works in anime. Uh, even like people who work in the industry, unless you like literally directly work with producers. Yeah. Like he did it. <laughs> no, like you want, you see what Kanamori does and you see the value of a producer and you're like, Oh God, this is, this job is essential. And also the fact that Kanamori comes off as like, very sympathetic and necessary part of the creative process rather than just some asshole who's always trying to like step on their dreams uh in the with practicality and stuff like that yeah i was worried at first she was going to kind of be almost like a buzzkill type character but she she ends up being integral like she she goes out of her way she fights for um asakusa and uh mizusaki mizusaki yeah Yeah. like actually an inspiring Um, character (laughs) when all they're doing is pulling people back to earth and stuff yeah it's good she genuinely is and and i like that the series you know in a in it's in a sort of subtle um uh sideways way like fights for you know better working conditions for animators and like no we deserve to be paid fairly for our work and things like that Mm -hmm. so like kanamori yells at them about sleeping um which is good yeah i do i do like how it it shows how hard the job is and how unfair the conditions are as well i think it uh yeah it it didn't need to do that but it definitely did more than some other series which focused on anime creation I also liked, um, just, I'll just make a real small point of this because we do kind of need to be wrapping up and getting into the, the tail end here. And I don't think we have a ton more to say about Azoken other than it good. Um, I, I like the, the background diversity of the cast. I like that the, the few members, the few, uh, characters of, I shouldn't say characters of color because Japanese people are also people of color. Um, black and brown characters. We'll put it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, are, uh, sympathetic they end up being like sympathetic characters because i was really worried the 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 most aggressive member of the stuco is um is a is a brown girl Mm -hmm. Mm. and i was and it felt like they were setting her up to be like the big bad for a few episodes but then she ends up like low-key kind of supporting them and giving them heads up about what the stuco is up to um she has like there's that one episode where she kind of tags along to see what they're up to and like she clearly respects kanamori a lot and i really i really appreciate that about her so if there was more of the series i think looking getting like expanding the cast would be a really good way to do that because there's definitely glimmers in the supporting characters that there's a lot more you could go into with them um but yeah i appreciated that just kind of casual diversity Mm -hmm. of the of the story as well Yeah, that would in fact be top of my list wish list for season two is like I want to watch Sawande and Kanamori like clash some more because they've got such a everyone else is is a, an annoying idiot and you're the only one who's playing on my level thing going on. Yes, and I'm into it. Yeah, they really do. It's a it's a respected rivalry um, bond that I ended up really enjoying by the end of it. So, um, yeah, and I so I I appreciated that that aspect. More of it. about the sound designer too, because I feel mm, like that person yeah, is just Mickey. a member of the club now, uh, but I yeah. think was introduced too late to get their own uh kind of uh what do you call it background episode like where arc, you fall yeah. in love with them like you did with misasaki and kanamori yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so there's definitely things they could do with it um but overall it's it's a really really good uh single series show if that is what it ends up being so happy to have it um definitely a recommendation um vry would you like to tell us about richard jeweler or as we've been calling it around the office the adventures of dick and justice Yay. uh Please start asking Seven Seas to bring over the light novels. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, that's a that's a good re- that's a recommendation yeah, that right there. Like I an think. Well, 
because this, I I don't know if it's just the fact that the world is on fire now, but I, I, I came back to this after kind of unofficially dropping it. I came back to it for the podcast after everything was awful and it clicked with me a lot better than it had been before. The middle stretch is this extremely soothing watch uh, that I wound up kind of enjoying a lot when and it does a lot better job of starting to establish the uh, the the recurring cast um, and it's you know it continues to be have that thing to be a series that has its heart in the right place uh, if if a little bit if a little bit um, on the nosedly I suppose about you know wanting to introduce these issues about uh, about social issues about you know class consideration and um, gender inequality and marginalized groups um, yeah it hmm Oh, I was just going to say that that was definitely the the vibe I got from it. I watched the first three episodes and I just um, tone and pacing wise, like I couldn't really get into it, but I, I, I deeply appreciated what it was doing as far as like it's, it's different storylines and things. So, yeah. And the back half kind of ends up being more about Richard and Seggy's relationship, which is where, and like grain of salt, you know, with these things, because like the light novels haven't been officially translated, but I sort of ended up talking with some of the light novel fans on Twitter and it sounds like the anime isn't the best representation of what the uh of what the light novels do well. I know for example that a lot of folks piped up and said including in the comics that uh the light novels of the second episode with the uh the closeted woman did a lot more stuff where you spent more time with her and you got to hear from the woman who had been her partner and it spent more time fleshing that character out. So I think there's a lot of stuff like that. And I know folks were telling me that. So there's this whole thing where Seggy has to go to England to help Richard with drama about his family inheritance and they almost get married and they exchange gems at the end. And somehow (laughs) they don't kiss. (laughs) <laughs> well no no we we never get the kiss right well uh, the weird thing about that arc is that it includes this in the anime very out of nowhere seeming arc or this very out of nowhere seeming scene where all of a sudden richard's like and by the way i've never had a male lover and you're like all right bye um <laughs> and it's very it's predicated on like Seggy misunderstanding. Oh, so you broke up with your boyfriend and went away from your family, which doesn't make any sense because in the anime, they pretty clearly gendered this ex that he had as, as a woman, like visually and in language. Um, and I guess some folks were talking about, well, in the light novel, it's these lines are written more as like him starting to say, I'm not gay. Well, actually, I don't know if I want to say that I've never had like a male partner. Oh, okay. Yeah, and things like... So there's more wiggle room there. Yeah, and and things like getting rid of a kiss during that said, you know, emotional exchanging of important gemstones kinds of thing. I don't know. I guess the the series is ongoing, but there seems to be more wiggle room as to, might these characters end up getting together at the end? Because this has been a series talking about, like, progressive themes so much throughout uh yeah it seems more likely i would say for sure um the the anime just kind of ends it does it's its last episode is actually 
pretty good uh pretty impressive um because it decides to end on this episode of of Segi's abusive father coming back and him dealing with this shutting out all the people in his life because his you know his birth father is stalking him and he uh doesn't want this guy to contact anybody else in his life and also he's afraid of this feeling of like I want to hurt this guy does that mean I'm turning out just like him and it's surprisingly deftly handled that's really good yeah I mean I I would say the show typically tackled its more difficult issues very well Mm -hmm. so I'm glad to hear that continued throughout but also like the animation's kind of stiff uh and there's yeah it is (laughs) there's not a lot to recommend the anime you know besides it's kind of a nice experience that just stops when it's over and it made me want to read the light novels. So please, mm-hmm. everyone, start requesting those for me. Do it for me. <laughs> Folks at home, Seven Seas has a survey every month. You, too, can help Rye get The Adventures of Dick and Justice. But it's called Richard Jeweler. The official title is Richard Jeweler. If yeah. you put in The Adventures of Dick and Justice, Seven, Seven Seas will be very confused. <laughs> please to get um, me the, adve- uh, the, the case studies of Jeweler Richard. I'm here for it. There it is. There's the official title for you. Uh, okay, well, we have, of course, gone over time despite our best efforts, and we haven't even talked about sequels yet. And I kind of want to talk about sequels, so we'll try to do this quickly. Um, I want to say that everybody should be watching Chihayafuru. Uh, I will continue to say that until the heat death of the universe it's on the at this list, rate. I promise I'm going to get to it one day. Um, so we finally got the show back after like eight years, and it was wonderful, and it was like it never left. Uh, and this season did a really nice job of focusing on... We have an article on the site that folks should check out and we can link to in the post as well. Um, this season really focused on, um, like, the older generation and, like, how you continue to uh, play this sport um, even when you... Even when, like, you know, some of your... Like, you're not as maybe as fast or your hearing isn't as good as it used to be and, like, how you make those adjustments and continue to be competitive. And I really appreciated that. Uh, one of the... One of the, like focal side characters in this season um, is a woman who has had a couple of children and is in the midst of nursing one of them and is, you know, doing card to matches like in between um, nursing her baby. And it it does a really good job of of sympathizing with her, but also it doesn't like, it grapples with her feeling like she's failing her family by pursuing this dream. But then the show like very overtly says, no, this you can you can do both of these things you can juggle this your family like is understanding and and you don't need to feel bad about it um so i really really appreciated that arc in particular um some shit went down at the end i dearly dearly hope we get a season four i'll be shocked if we don't at this rate like they brought it back after eight years the manga is reportedly winding down um and getting like really close to an ending so i imagine we're gonna eventually get the whole thing animated at this point um so folks should catch up and then when season four comes out we can all uh get real emotional about it together um as we watch these as we watch these these cards of fools um continue their their journey uh it's great it's 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 a such a perfect blend of like exciting sports um like type action and character arcs and i love it it's great um Speaking of sports series that are good, that are great, Haikyuu was this season. Um, I think most folks at home have either heard of this one or are already watching it. It's the volleyball dorks. Peter, you and I are both really into this yeah. one, I think. Yep. Yeah. So also Haikyuu, check it out. Um, not 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 a lot of there's not much in the way of female characters, but there's also not much in the way of like treating the female characters poorly. Uh, generally speaking, they they've given them some 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 decent like 
character beats throughout that I appreciate. Um, every once in a while, there's like some goofy quasi fan service, but it's 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 really low key. Um, it is by far my favorite jump series, um, and the adaptation is gorgeous. So, anything else you want to add about that one, Peter? Um, I think you pretty much got it. Haiku's good, and okay. you should yeah. watch it. Sorry for just like monopolizing and blazing through. Yeah, but, yeah. it's gonna. Um, um, I think it's on a break for spring, but it's going to come back in summer. And I think Karasuno's next match is my favorite of the manga I've read so far. So, oh, that's exciting. Yeah. That's good to look forward also, to. Also, it's a big moment for yeah. a female character. So, yeah, yeah, they've. I noticed they've been kind of working in some other like volleyball player female characters going forward. So I'm kind of curious to see what they do with that. Um, that's been nice to see. Oh, as yeah. Well. Tanaka's a love interest. Yeah, she's she, I I but I like that her team is like you know hardcore really talented volleyball on the women's side because we haven't really had much of that so it's oh, good yeah, to I have that in the background at least even if they have a better a record than Karasuna or something like that so mm-hmm. that's pretty funny yeah I yeah. think they're like I think they're like the number one seed or something they're in a better hotel and they were kind of joking about it so yeah um I, the preview for the next episode is uh, her backstory with Tanaka right it had it had Tanaka yeah. as a kid oh that's very good yeah lots to look forward to. Yeah, I guess there's still technically one more episode this course. This one's not officially I done. I think but... so. I think it's going to be 13 and then they go on break, but hard to tell. Yeah, I'm not. I wasn't super clear about that yeah. either. Either way, when there's more episodes, I will watch them. Haikyuu is mm-hmm. great. Um, the only other one I wanted to touch on, and I'm, again, annoyed that we really don't have time to get into it, um, but I I have been very pleasantly surprised by Radiant, and uh, it never fails that when I find a shonen action-adventure series that I like, nobody else is watching yeah. it. Um, but I... Peter, you liked that one as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Low Radiant. It's very good. Yeah. Uh, there were... The second season definitely had some animation hiccups in the back half that were, like, distracting at points. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really, really like what the story is doing. I, I think it's... I want other shonen to look at Radiant and see the way it handled the uh, climax for season two as far as like, this is the kind of shit I want other big name shonen series to be doing because there are functionally three main characters by the final arc. I guess four, if you you could count Doc as a, as like a main character as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And the final like big, like the big climax gives every single one of them something important to do on their own. Like, Seth is still the main character and still kind of has like the big climax, which is fine. You've got every show, you know, lots of shows have a protagonist who has like, you know, the big moment. Um, but everyone else contributes and helps in some way. They're not just like completely sidelined or turned into damsels or like, um, Ochoko is so, so, so good. Um, did I say her name right? Okoho? I, I don't know if it, Ochoko? I think it's. I actually don't know. I think they say Okoho, I think, but isn't it? It's, is it it's Okoho. It is Choho. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's Okoho. Um, I just I just said it funny. Um, maybe that's how it's written because it's originally in French, right? So maybe that's how it's yeah. pronounced in French, but then or it's spelled in French but pronounced in Japanese and then localized. There's yeah, it's. I have I have no idea, but it's it yeah. Okoho is what they call her in yeah. the show. Um, she is a character of color. She has a really good arc throughout the second half about like, um, kind of like exercising her own agency and coming into her own as a knight. And it does some really good stuff with kind of flipping your expectations about characters who you're like, oh, this character seems like they're a villain and then they're not actually a villain. Um, because they're, they're very explicitly playing with like the idea of like the evil, sexy woman. Um, and I think Radiant is, I think Radiant is, is 
very smart. I think it can be a little on the nose with its um, with its like anti prejudice rhetoric, but I also think that being a little on the nose in a young adult series about something like that is totally okay. Um, I yeah, I Radiant is a big is a, a big wreck for me. I think, and again, uh, animation hiccups aside, it's it's one that I I would love other people to check out if you like Shonen Jump series. Like it, it's like that. It is it is a it is a jump style adventure story, and like more people should be watching it because it's 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 legit. It's good. Please watch Black Clover D. <laughs> I've tried, Peter. I tried. There's just so much yelling. There's, read the um, manga, D. And there's a lot of fan. There's fan service in the early episodes that kind of put me off. So, um, I might give it another. I might keep trying. I yeah, we'll see. Um, Peter, did you want to talk about any other sequels carryovers? We're already over time. So if there's anything else you want to say, go for it. Uh, I've been monologuing for a while. You pretty much got it. Rumikun ended. It was good, and you should watch it. Uh, but that's pretty much all I want to say. Okay, good to know. Um, any any other final thoughts, comments? Um, good jokes, bad jokes from from y'all, or should I wrap us up? Uh, take us out. I'm jokeless. <laughs> okay, I will I will uh, pull out my tiny piano and I will play us out. Uh, all right, folks. Uh, we hope you have enjoyed this episode of Chatty AF. If you like what you heard. Tell your friends about us, and if you really like what you heard, we'd love it if you'd head over to www.patreon.com backslash animefeminist and become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, at $5, you get access to our team Discord, which we do not promote enough because it's a very fun Discord channel, um, and you can have lots of geeky conversations with lots of other uh, feminist-minded anime dorks because we're all just big dorks, and it's it's good times. Um but if even if you can't manage five bucks, which I totally understand in these times, uh, even as little as a dollar really goes a long way. It helps us pay um, all of our contributors, our editors, our podcast editors. Thank you, Peter. Um, and just in general makes anime feminists happen both in print and in your earbuds. Uh, if you are interested in more from the team and our contributors, you can check us out at www.animefeminist.com, on Facebook at AnimeFem on Tumblr at Anime Feminist, and on Twitter at Anime Feminist. And that's the show. Uh, let us know what you all thought of the season in the comments, Annie Fam, and we will catch you next time. Bye.